0: Ken forgot the offering. Put all put all your money in the basket, or give it back there. Don't leave with your money. Leave it all with us. I heard Rick Joyner give an take an offering like that once, and I just thought it was hilarious. Um, uh, so I uh, before um, before so t- today we've got um, Annette's going to share a testimony shortly, and then uh, we have Pastor Seth with us, which it's always such a delight to have you here. Thanks for coming, and uh, so we're looking forward to that. You're looking skinny. They're not feeding you properly down there. No. Well, okay, we'll sort that out. Soup lunch next week. Uh, I'm bringing poo soup. I tell you, so many jolly poo screeching around my house. I thought it was Canadian geese. Oh, Canadian geese, poo kekos. Um, I just, I have something. I have a testimony to share with you, and I just, uh, I just want to share this with you briefly. Uh, for um, for the last nine years, Stephen Hansen has been. He's been my friend. He and I are very different men, and uh, there are things that we didn't see eye to eye on, and many things that we did. We spent a lot of time together. We talked together. We prayed together. We fished together. Sometimes we argued together. And many of you know um, Stephen and his wife Rochelle. Uh, they uh, were elders uh, in this in this fellowship. Um, And then uh, a year and a half ago, uh, Stephen was diagnosed with uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And um, so he's been on a journey with that uh, for that whole period of time. Um, uh, When Stephen and I had things that we didn't see eye to eye on, we didn't tend to spend much time on that because we had so many things that we did see eye to eye on, we just focused on that. Uh, But then uh, three weeks ago, I had a dream and in my dream, uh, the Lord spoke to me through a 1989 pop song by Mike and the Mechanics called The Living Years. Say it loud, say it clear. It's too late when we die to admit we don't see eye to eye. And I woke up and I knew that was about Stephen. So uh, a week ago Wednesday, I went to see Stephen. And it wasn't like it was hard. It wasn't like, it wasn't like oh, I don't want to see him. I went and saw him. And we, uh, we had a a courageous conversation where we made sure that there was nothing unsaid, and actually, we both uh, God had spoken also to him, and he and I uh, we talked and we forgave and we wept together, and um, and then I left, and obviously Stephen was he, you know he was very very sick, very uncomfortable, uh, very very uh, unwell. Uh, then um, what are we now? Sunday. Uh, on Wednesday. Uh, he called me um, and we had a we had a great conversation when he first called me he was talking kind of slowly and sort of slurring his words but within the space of about two minutes it was like talking to Stephen as he had been two years ago sharp as attack laughing prophesying talking fast too fast I couldn't keep up with him and very clearly um, and uh, we finished up that conversation and uh, and um, said uh, See you again soon. Uh, Friday morning at, five, at 4.30 in the morning, he went to be with the Lord. Um, so uh, in the physical, he lost his battle with cancer. But this is what happened. And I want you to hear this because this is not a testimony of death. This is a testimony of what we were just singing about. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, sitting in this room this morning, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. One way or another, around about 4.30 on Friday morning, Stephen Hansen, my friend, your friend, many of you, some of you don't know him, but he heard the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. He sees him face to face. He didn't die. He passed through death and out the other side because of what Jesus did on the cross. Today, if you don't know for sure that your life would end that way, don't leave this room without knowing that death is something that because of the cross, we pass through and come out the other side and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. There are multitudes in this city, many even who are believers, who are scared to death of death. But Jesus died on the cross so that we would not be. And even when I talked to Stephen on Wednesday, he was not afraid of what was happening. He was not afraid to die because he knew that he would see the Lord face to face. Going to see him again because of what Jesus did on the cross. We're going to pray for his family. We're going to pray grace on his wife, Rochelle, on his daughter, Daniel and Daniel's wife, Abby on Rebecca and Naomi. We're going to pray grace on their household. We're going to pray grace and peace over them. And uh, we're going to pray also that they would have like that burning confidence, that hope that is only found in one man because there is only one Saviour. Even death itself bowed its knee to King Jesus. So Lord, thank you for this family. We pray immeasurable, unsurpassable grace And peace that passes understanding for them. Lord, we honor you uh, for the life of this man. And we thank you, Lord, that uh, he is yours and he is with you. And because of the cross, he did not die, but he passed through death. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. And Father, I pray for anyone in this room today that does not have that confidence that their life is hidden with you. And if it was to end today, they would hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. I ask, Lord, that by your grace and your mercy, you would draw them and that they would know you today. Amen. 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 So we miss him, but we go hallelujah. Stephen, he would always talk about how he longed to see the Lord. He's not longing anymore. (laughs) He's with him. Amen. Amen. Okay. Who's ready for testimony number two? Yeah. By the way, if you don't know for sure that your life is right with God, come see me at the end. Come see Ken. Come see one of us. We'll pray. It's as easy as repenting and giving your heart to the Lord. Okay? It's not religious. It's about the answer to the longing of your heart because we were made to know this man. Okay. Annette. Oh, Children's Church. Yes, most important. Okay, children. You may head this way, out that door. Or you can go that way if you like. Just go out there. Push it, I think. If you push it, it'll open. There we go. Excellent. Okay, and over to you, Annette. And then, and then you can just hand it to the gentleman in the front row.
1: Yes. If I'm still standing it's really exciting to be able to share a testimony and Kristen asked me to share about the encounters that I've had in my life where I've encountered tremendous outpouring of God and so um, I'm going to share a little bit from Africa because obviously I'm Zimbabwean and um, I was 19 when I met Brett and it was just a wee while after my dad died, just to give you some back content to it. And I'd been a hotelier and I was incredibly, um, with the loss and disappointment of dad dying, I had become really hard in, in that I, I was just hard. I had no emotion, no sense of, there was no humanness to me. I would go through the motions on the outside, but on the inside I was completely dead. And mixed in with being a hotelier and seeing the different sides of humankind can be interesting at a young age. And so I met Brett in an Amazing God situation. And soon after that, my heart's cry was, God, I've always loved the Lord. I come from a family that believes the word and, and was very strong in my life. But I, I wanted something tremendously different than what I was experiencing. And it is a prayer that I prayed with all of my heart, and I literally meant it. I said, God, you change me or you kill me. And I wasn't meaning it figuratively. I was meaning, I don't want to live like this and carry on. You change me or you kill me. And so during that time, there was, um, in 1994, there was a worldwide move of God. And I would be in a meeting and you would see 2,000 people fall under the power of God without anyone laying hands. Um, Miracles were happening and deliverance was happening. But for me, he encountered me in such a personal way. And um, the change, he began to dig up that hard ground in my heart. And I would be putting away laundry in my house and um, just fall under the power of God with this pile of towels all over me. And I'd be lying in the passageway, completely under the power of God. And I'd get up. And there would, I could sense this hardness beginning to break in my life. And so, uh, skip forward a decade, and we come to New Zealand. And I, for those of you who know me, I don't hold back when it comes to God or my passion for God. And. Um, <laughs> <laughs> And so you know, I, I land in New Zealand, and it struck me, it just felt different. Obviously, you are in a different um, spiritual climate to what you're used to. Uh, came from a place of tremendous persecution, revival in Zim, led to tremendous persecution, held a gunpoint, moved to Zim and uh, to New Zealand. And I remember being at the Mangatapu roundabout driving in my car, and I was saying, "God, what's going on?" What's happening with New Zealand, it feels dry. And all I got was perfect conditions for a fire. <laughs> and I've never forgotten it. And then we went on a journey with the circumstances um, that led us to an encounter with Bunty Bunce, who invited us to Hope Center Lower Hut. And I had been praying and contending for God, and I was quite frankly, you know, I said to the Lord, I am so tired of the business of church. I want the kingdom of God manifested in my life. But that hunger began to stir within my heart. And a little bit of frustration that comes with it too. But if we don't get that, we won't change. We won't move. We won't propel. And so a whole series of circumstances that I don't have time to get into led us to hope center lower hat. Well, I hadn't seen that move of God, people hungry for God, and the outpouring of God like that in a long time. It had been decades, and it was so. You know, when you go home and you have that amazing meal that you identify with, and you're like, "Yes, this is it. This is it. You know, this is home. This is where I belong." And um, so Brett and I encountered Brett, who never falls under the power of God, thought he was just, you know, quietly falling under the power of God. And he says to the the boys, man, did you see I was just so like a gentle in the breeze? They said, Dad, you took out the three guys behind you. (laughs) I was, I have been, I was totally drunk, I think for three days solid. And um, Seth, I happened to sit next to <laughs> Seth, which is always dangerous to do in the, in the most cases. And he said to me, I see you like this geyser of hot water erupting out and the water of God is going to flow. And in that meeting, the Lord said to me, I want you to stand on this chair and I want you to shoot five arrows. So I'm like, what, really? I'm, I wasn't, I'm not Twinky, and I'm not short. So I don't hide or blend very well so there i am and he says get on the chair so i get on the chair and the lord says to me shoot five arrows so prophetically i grab an arrow from my and i began to shoot and in the front of a raging fire at that time there was this huge map of new zealand and he said i want you to shoot five times prophetic action and i did and those arrows hit at five points across the map of New Zealand. And he said, and so it will. And I know this backs up many other people's prophecies. It's not something. But he said, and that was started way up in the north and strategically Bay of Plenty through Wellington, top of the South Island, bottom of the South Island. And so what did I learn in the process of this, these encounters was... Experi- uh, revival doesn't start out there. It starts in here. It starts with you today, right here, right now. It's, not, it's related to how hungry you are for change with God. How hungry, nah, that's a lame word. How desperate are you to see God move in your life and in the lives of others? I wanted him, and I was sick of the state of my heart. Third thing, are you willing to be a fool for Christ? Are you willing to stand on a top of chairs in front of strangers? Are you willing to proclaim the goodness of God? Are you willing to be foolish in obedience to him? This is a serious question. Because I, I, in, in those places, I was so desperate, I didn't give a continental what anyone thought of me. Seriously, I I didn't. And that's how we need to be with this. When you encounter God, does, does man's opinion count or does his? You cannot encounter him and stay the same. It is impossible. There has to be change in our lives. If you get hit by an 18-wheeler, you are going to look different, walk different, sound different. You're never going to be the same. You cannot encounter God and remain the same. His Holy Spirit always leads to change. Fire is coming. This is not something that you can pick or choose. It is all or nothing of our hearts our lives our obedience to the word and to love him and love those he sends to us very good thanks that's
2: awesome you know one of the great challenges is are you willing to be a fool for him that that's my story I, I was brought up in a good Kiwi-British culture. You, you don't do certain things. mean, God said to me one day, are you willing to be a fool for me? I had no idea. And I said, what's that going to look like? And he said, that's not the question. I said, what's it going to mean? That's not the question. The question is, are you willing to be a fool? I had no idea I was going to be more inebriated than... <laughs> well. This is not a very good pulpit for me. So, anyway, just just before we get into other parts of it, in terms of the fire of God and the what it it can be like, uh, just a series of circumstances. I've ended up being 33 times in Germany in the last 11 years. And so, just incredible. I think it was the third time into Germany. And just ministering. And there was a, a man ministering. I was one of the speakers in this conference. And one of them was, he was preaching, but it was soul-focused preaching. He was drawing people into soul-focused. That church was about people's souls. I'm not talking about the salvation. I'm talking about just the way they felt and were they comfortable and, and all that junk. And so And then the pulpit, the microphone is handed to me. And I was like, oh, come on. We've got to get the focus off all humans. I mean, humans get out of different sides of the bed and they're all grumpy anyway. And we've got to focus on God. And so I started to preach about the fire of God. I started to preach about everything about God is lavish. I'll just talk over everything about God is lavish. And we'd love to talk about the lavishness of God's love. Oh, that's so nice. I talked about the lavishness of God's fire. Because our God is a consuming fire. Uh, Just talk to this. Our God is a consuming fire. (laughs) And what's more, we've got to put ourselves there and say, Whoa, whoa. I shouldn't have bite that finger. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, the power of God's here. Whoa. You you can get nuked this morning. (sighs) Ah, The power of God. Yeah, yeah. And then we started to minister. And I was just ministering. And then a doctor came out of the congregation and he starts pouring water over me. He, just, he didn't ask my permission. He's just, pour, he's just pouring bottles of water over me. He said, no human should be that hot. <laughs> he didn't know that at that stage I said, God, I'm not asking you to stop. I'm not asking you to stop. If there's more of this, I will not live. I knew that. I could feel, I could just feel myself. Because you see, I'd already been to heaven, and so I knew what that was like. Whoa. Whoa. Ah! Sarah. Psh, psh. What was that? I could feel this ball of fire in my hand. You know, that's, it's quite biblical because it says that there's balls of fire in his hand and the lightning rods of God, and we get this impression about gentle Jesus, meek and mild, and it's not in Scripture. It's some gobbledygook that was given to children to give them some understanding of how to start and pray, but it's not what we're supposed to walk in. We're supposed to walk in a revelation of our God as a consuming fire, and our Savior has eyes of fire. Ooh. so good. So you see, when we talk about fire of God and the anointing and the power of God, it's, it's not just philosophical language. We're talking descriptive language of what God wants to do. I've had people see fire on my head as I preach. That's not why I went bald. (laughs) When I was 18 going bald, the medical said to me, if you don't want to go bald, you better choose your ancestors wisely. (laughs) I said, I think I waited too long. God has a dream for every one of us. God has a dream for you. Many times we, we, we say, God, come and bless my dream. But he's got a dream that you would be a Holy Ghost arsonist, that you would be someone who walks and carries, and is fiery in all that you do. Whoa, 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 whoa. I feel the love. The dream that God has is revealed to us through prophetic ministry. And people will say words, and that can be to us as an individual, it can be to us as a corporate church. And he expects us to protect the revelation of that dream he has for us. And not just let it be gathered up in the clutter of everyday life. If you want fire, you've got to protect the fire. And if you want fire, you've got to stir up the fire. Otherwise, yesterday's fire will put out today's fire. That's called ashes. At Hope Network, we have, in a sense, three key focuses. Worship, discipleship, and revival. Worship is not music, you notice I I said. It's worship. Now, I love music. I, I have a Pavarotti voice. It just has a rough passage out. That's all. In Jeremiah twenty-nine verse eleven, there's this well-known verse. I know the plans I've got for you, says the Lord. We love to quote that, but we forget the context of that verse. The con. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the context of that verse. Yeah, yeah. It's actually an incredible big picture. It's not your individual life. It's the city that you live in. It's the nation you live in. It's the world that you live in. That's the context for that verse. And in between where God gives the context and then says about plans, there's warnings that don't let selfish, soul-centered interpretations lock you out of God's purposes. because the fire will disappear. The fire only comes one way. You can't generate it. You can generate artificial fires. That's why we have matches. Matches is God's gift to every little boy. (laughs) I love fires. I've set a house on fire just putting the fire big enough in the chimney that it broke the chimney and And it's it's awesome. I love that I could strike a match when I was on the farm and it would go down the fuse and set off a detonator and gel ignite would just blow things apart. It's awesome. Some of you are looking at me like, what sort of clown are you? A happy one. (laughs) I love the fact, because you see, Even the story of the dynamite, gelignite taught me I could have a spark of faith but when I did it God's way I could release all of God's power. My spark was enough to release God's power. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Shoo. Now we know that the devil, the adversary, he's wanting to destroy the revelation of God's dream for you. And he does it through doubts, criticism. I'm going to speak about revival. And there's been, as uh, we already heard in the testimony, the moment you start to declare revival, it's a declaration of war. Because you are now battling, declaring against the religious gobbledygook that's trying to keep God out of the picture and have it human-based. What humans are capable of. We're not having church to be a spiritual version of of a cosmopolitan club. We're having church to be a fireplace for God to dwell. And so you you encounter doubts, you encounter scepticism, mocking, all sorts of stuff, criticism. And what that means is You and I are called to protect the spiritual revelation of what God purposes from soulish interpretation. The Bible calls it private interpretation. And it says, let nothing be done out of selfish ambition. See, when you're dead, there's no worry. When I had the heart operation and the man's trying to tell me, you know, we, we effectively kill you, the surgeon was, because and, and he, he, he couldn't understand why I, I, I wasn't fearful. Well, I said to him, my times are in God's hands, not yours, and I've already been on the other side. When I was kicked with a horse and they had to do CPR to bring me back. See, because heaven's real. It's, it's just glorious. And so scripture is full of amazing stories, many of them very small, to help us be good stewards of the gift of God, which is fire. In the ancient world, they actually had warriors whose job it was to protect the fire. And so when we read that never let the fire go out, people had to guard the fire because it wasn't, they didn't have matches, just to, they didn't have a barbecue lighter. It was hard work to get a fire going. And so they would protect it. I want to talk about one of David's mighty men. This was just one of the stories, and they're all—I'm they're all, not very coherent today, but I think God will do His work. These stories are all to help us. It's a story of Shema, one of David's mighty men. Now we've got to remember the mighty men started off in debt. Discouraged, disappointed, all sorts of stuff. But because they respected the anointing on David, they got transformed from discards into mighty men. You see, it's not important how we start, what's important is how we finish. You never get well done for starting, you get well done for finishing. And, and when you finish your course, it's how you finish that determines the way people remember you. The children of Israel, they left Egypt as slaves. But they did not finish as conquerors. Why? Because they couldn't possess the dream God had for them. They couldn't possess the promise They saw situations and all they did was filter it through their humanity instead of through God. God has said, that's enough. And so they had to go and die in the wilderness. I just want to say that if you try to filter the purposes and dreams of God and the fire of God through your humanity, you will die in the wilderness. And people blame God for it. No, because you used the wrong filter. You allowed your own humanity to start to interrupt what God intended. And you hear people say, but I'm not capable of that. Well, of course you're not, Dumbo. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about your capability. We're talking about God's capability. I'm not here because I'm capable I'm here because I said to God, yes, I'm willing to be a fool for you. I'm here today because I had a great career mapped out for me, even onto a global scale. But God said, now's the time. And so we left this huge salary and then lived by faith. No income but God. No, in, no guarantee except the promise. No certainty except God has said. And Debbie, my wife, is the hero of that story. Hannah was just a little girl then. You'll notice she doesn't look as if it's been a terrible journey for her. A few years ago we were having a family dinner and the older couple of our five girls, they were talking about what church used to be before revival came. And I remember Hannah and Beth going, We don't remember that. All they knew their whole life is the moving of the Holy Spirit. That's normal church. But it comes because we guarded the fire, we guard the fire. And many times you've got to walk away from people who are trying to put your fire out and just say, if you want to be a fire stopper, I'm going to be a fire starter. Oh, they might get hurt. No, they're trying to kill your fire. Sentimentality is the biggest enemy of the move of God. And that's why there's no fires across New Zealand, because sentimentality is putting out fires faster than people are willing to light them. This might sound harsh. It's not. It's, it's, a, it's a call to something great. So here's the story in 2 Samuel 23. And after him was Shema, the son of Agi, the Haroite. The Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. Then the people fled. From the Philistines, but he stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, killed the Philistines, and the Lord brought about a great victory. This story to me is so inspiring. It's only short. You see, that field was the field of future, that field was the field of fruitfulness, that field was their economic future, that field was everything God had been promising to them. But the moment some adversaries came, the moment there were some Philistines, Philistines represent the thinking of the world, the speaking of the world, and the way that the world does stuff. The moment some Philistines came, some people who should have been children of promise forgot the promise and only saw the conflict. But one man, but one man, Because one man in God is always in the majority. And today... I want to call you to be one person who will stand and fight in the field for your future, for your destiny, your personal destiny, the call of God upon the nation, the call of God for revival. Are you going to be a shamer? Are you going to be someone who even when the Philistines come, you're going to be a person who says, I am not going to let them rob revival out of this nation. I am not going to let them rob me from being a fiery, fiery, fiery Uncontained person I'm not preaching like I normally can because I've got locked jaw, but I was not going to let the devil stop me preaching. Whoa they were laughing about the soup because that's all I've had for the last eight, nine days. Smoothies and soup I'm becoming an expert. As long as it doesn't have too many chunky stuffs. So the Pachecos can stay safe. But one man, he determined, and of course we see the principle, but as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. When revival came in 1995 to our church in Lower Hutt. We were just a small church then. And there was criticism, there was mocking, there was all sorts of stuff. But Debbie and I, we stood in our kitchen, we looked at each other and we said, if none goes with us, still we will follow. There is no plan B, no turning back. And I can say with joy in my heart that it's been worth it. It's been worth it. You see, some people look at the difficulties. I look at the victories. Because the difficulty is only the precursor to the victory. You can't get a victory without a battle. So don't look at the battle. Look at the victory. If there's a battle on, that means God's got a victory for you. But it does say, as the Apostle Jude says, we've got to contend earnestly. We've got to contend earnestly. Oh, I'll just say it again. We've got to contend earnestly. Yeah. We get so used to just saying, oh, God, just lay it on me. Lay it on me. Whoops! Whoa, whoa, whoa whoa. <laughs> whoa, whoa. 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 That just got a bit heavy. <laughs> Why did Lewis and Hannah come? <laughs> Oh, no, kick my foot. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I do that? Because it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so I can steal his phone and put it on the, <laughs> and pay for my money mission trips. <laughs> <laughs> that way I'll get his tablet as well. You know, this is Hope. You know Hope. She used to be my secretary. She was so straight, you could it made a ruler look bent. She was so prim and proper, they wrote the dictionary using her as the example. That's true, isn't it? Yeah. But I'm just standing this side because sometimes she sort of gets a little excited. Don't you hope? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that. <laughs> and people say that's very disruptive. You want to see what heaven's like. <laughs> we get this idea about heaven will go there, it's chaotic. It is. People are falling over. The sound is like the sound of many waters. There's noises crashing everywhere. There's lightning rods coming out from the throne. Fireworks for Matariki. Yeah, nothing on it. <laughs> I mean, you want to see what it's like. And so for centuries, the, the devil has had strategies to stop Revival. Because God wants revival more than we do. And so then you hear people talking doubts. You hear people talking criticism. You hear people mocking. Well, well, why can't Seth just behave himself? Well, I am. (laughs) Drunk preachers are the best. It does not say, be acceptable to humanity. It says, be filled with the Spirit. It doesn't say, be intellectually capable. It says, be inebriated. We have Jeremiah, who is called the weeping prophet, but he described himself as, I've become a man, like a man overcome with too much wine. like a drunken man, because of your holy word in me. Hallelujah. But in just a moment, there's going to be a chance that you can say, I'm I'm, I'm going to contend for the dream God has for me. I'm going to contend. It might be that you're going to meet someone at the supermarket. It might be you're going to meet someone at work. Who knows where that's going to be? But God has a dream for you. But we've got to contend for it. We've got to contend for it against the busyness of life. Contend for the call of God on your life. Contend for the call of God because you're here because he's called you. I have no hesitation been calling people to high commitment. Because I value the call God has on people. Church is not a social club. It's a place where people are contending for the high calling of God on their life. And it's awesome. It's awesome. But we can't do it ourselves. To contend earnestly requires strength. Strength, purpose, strength of vision, and strength of character. So, where does our strength come from? Ha ha. Ha ha ha. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Which is why every time God starts to move into revival, guess what he pours out? He pours out joy. Why? Because he's wanting people to be strong, to contend for the dream he has for them. To be strong, to contend for the dream he has for the city. For the dream he has for a nation. For the dream he has for his glory to fill the earth. And so may you be strengthened. May you be strengthened. May you be filled with joy in every part of your life. Be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. That mighty power which raised Jesus. Boom. Joy has a boom factor. What will it do? It'll break atmospheres. It'll shift lives. It establishes kingdom culture. People walking around looking like a pelican trying to find a fish. (laughs) What? You're supposed to be exuding fiery joy. But the trouble is we, we forget that and we start to think about our problems. Joy is what we should dream about. Joy is what we should... Expect in the streets and the family because joy is a gift from God. And by the way, joy is the foundation of Christian life. You cannot be a Christian and look like you are a prune waiting to be, uh, what do you call it, vitamized, um, moolied. I mean, some people... They're so dry that even the vitamizer can't get them. (laughs) Joy is the sound of heaven. It's the sound of praise. And guess what God does? He's looking for people who will praise, just like we were there this morning. We hit that praise song, and suddenly there was a... We knew it, because that's where God dwells. He doesn't dwell where I'm singing about myself. He dwells where we are praising him, where we're praising him for his goodness and his mercy and his everlastingness. It's amazing. And so we're not going to let history repeat itself. We're going to say the prophetic mandates, the prophetic dream that God has spoken, let's contend for them. Sorrow may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. So how do we stay in joy? I'm glad you asked. I'll, I'll just talk about that for a bit. But I'm nearly getting hungry, and my jaw's getting sore. So it's okay, we will finish. Number one, guard your thoughts. Guard your thoughts. Philippians, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever's there, think on these things. That's not when you're not thinking about anything else that means that's your first priority that's your first priority when the devil comes in you start to think about the good things when the devil's trying to sidetrack you you think about the good things you think about the way that God has moved you you, you guard your thoughts guard your thoughts guard your thoughts guard your thoughts because your thoughts create your world and your thoughts establish your future if you think Thoughts of disappointment, you're going to live life disappointed. But if you think thoughts that God's got a call on your life and he's going to use you and he's going to use you in great purpose, guess what? You would just open the door, give him a landing spot for him to come poof, poof. That's an ancient Aramaic expression for anointing. (laughs) And the second thing is guard your mouth. Guard your mouth because words create atmospheres. They create atmospheres. You know what it's like to walk into a place where everyone's, the atmosphere is not good. But you get in there where there's a bit of laughter, where people are talking positively. Suddenly the atmosphere, oh, I like this atmosphere. Yeah. And that's what the psalmist said in Psalm 19. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. How do we know it's pleasing? When it's mixed with faith, because faith pleases God. So we mix our language and we mix our thoughts with faith. Go, oh yeah, I can't do this, but God can. There's someone here who just needs to hear the story. This wallet, this wallet many times has had supernatural money appear in this wallet banknotes. Why? Because God, who created the laws of nature, is not bound by the laws of nature. Because I said, God, I know you can do it. And it wasn't to make my life more comfortable. It was so that I had money to give away. And the third thing I just want to share quickly is do whatever it is that stirs up the Holy Spirit's activity in your life. For some, it's worship. For some, it's reading the scripture. But intentionally be doing whatever it is that stirs up the Spirit's activity in your personal life. We And for me, it's speaking in tongues. Mana She's she's looking at me like, do I trust this man? No. <laughs> <I trust Jesus.
3: laughs>
2: Holy Spirit more. Why does she jerk? I don't know. But it's fun, isn't it, Ken? It is, yeah. Or we'll jerk some more. <laughs> <laughs> you were getting ahead of the party. <laughs> <laughs> you nearly knocked your wife. You say, why do we do it? Why does God do this stuff? Because he likes to just show himself strong. He likes to show himself that he's not conventional. He's not conventional. He's the most disruptive person on planet Earth. That's our God. He loves to disrupt, disrupt our humanity. It's so good. And so... My testimony many years ago, I went, I'm gonna be a shamer. I'm gonna stand in a field of promise. I'm gonna stand. I had my friends when I took over a to church, they said, Seth, just just give it a f- what are you doing that for? Just give it a funeral. Because it was dead. And it was. But I believe Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And we've got to believe more in the resurrection than what our eyes are seen because we've got to go by what is unseen, not what is seen. And I stood in a field, and the Holy Spirit said, yes, I'll come and help that man. And the rest is now a history story. What might your story be? What might your story be? With the promises of God on your life, on this nation, on this region. I invite you to stand like Martin Luther stood against the Forces that he had to face where he said, here I stand, I can do no other, so help me God. And it changed the whole of the world's history. Who's going to take fresh courage to stand in your field? To stand in your field and even when the Philistines come, they're defeated. I took fresh courage from the story of Jesus in the wilderness Because the devil came and tempted him and the devil came and tempted him and the devil came and tempted him and the devil gave up. You don't hear a lot of people preaching about that. I do. Oh, the devil's so big. He's the one who gave up. (laughs) Why listen to the loser? I'm going to listen to the conqueror. Can you stand with me, please? I want to pray for you. I want to pray that there will be fresh revelation of God's dream for your life. Fresh revelation for God's dream for this city. Fresh revelation for how God wants to use you. With the power of the Holy Spirit. With the power of the Holy Spirit. And then I'd love to lay hands on people. Holy Spirit, I thank you. This message is strong, but it's not unkind. Because you're giving us hope. Hope for a future. Hope to be overcomers. Hope to be those who stand and the enemy is defeated. And the Philistines are the ones who flee and not us. Lord, I thank you that that's what your spirit is here for. That in all things we will be more than conquerors through him who loved us and gave himself for us and sent the Holy Spirit. And so I'm asking for fresh courage in each person today that like Shema, they will stand in their field of promise. They'll stand in their field of future and they will say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There is no turning back. There is no option B. There is no soft option. But there is a crown of righteousness laid up. There is a home in heaven laid up. There is a future. There is a legacy. There is a destiny. There is God's purposes to be fulfilled. And so I'm asking for a fresh revelation and fresh encouragement in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you just go ahead and start to thank God for fresh revelation right now. Just lift up your voice with praise and adoration and say, yeah, let my fire be strong. Stand in your field of fire. And if you want to maneuver your way this way, I'll, I'll just lay hands on you.
3: Lord, we're so grateful for your goodness, for your kindness to us. Lord, we receive this word today. As we have received Seth, we receive his word. Lord, would you somehow, by your spirit and in this amazing way that you do, would you knit it into us? We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness to us, God. Oh, we receive you, Lord. We receive your word. We receive you as the word. Thank you, Lord. today, don't leave this meeting if there's stuff that's not done. If you don't know that you know that you know that you know the Lord, don't leave this meeting today without that assurance that you know that you know that you know him. We bless you Lord. Thank you for the fire of God. Cause us to be a family that would guard the fire well. You know, I feel like um, today. I feel like today's meeting isn't done. I feel like it's kind of a bit undone somehow. I don't even know if that makes sense. But this is. It's a, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, a step in the journey. And I don't, I don't want to kind of draw a line in the sand and say, well, hey, that's the meeting for today. Goodbye. It's, it's just, you know, it, it's, it's, not, it's not about that. The Lord is present and, and we should never be in a rush to flee, or take off when, when He's present and when He's moving, when He's doing things. Yana, I don't know what's going on for you, but I'm... I don't know how to express it, but I'm so, I'm so moved. I'm just so moved by what I see the Lord doing all over you. It's like Holy Spirit come do what it is that you're doing and we should never rush away from that we should tarry in that place where the Spirit of the Lord is ministering and moving don't know what to do with this, but I is it okay if I just lay my hand on your head? You can, you can stay seated if you like. There's, there's just something going on. So I just, I simply want to stand in agreement with what the Spirit of the Lord is doing. So I bless you right now in the name of Jesus. I bless what the Lord is doing. I bless the fire of God and the fullness and the weightiness of what he's doing in you, what he desires to do through you and your family your husband that stands with you so wonderfully and beautifully, your son and, and uh, your, your child on the way we bless you, we bless this family in Jesus name Church we need, we, we need this, this is family right, we need to do this we need to stand with one another we need to know one another. We need to guard the fire. Sure. bless you, Lord. Okay, well... Been a, it's been a joy to, to be with one another today. I'm, I'm really grateful for this time. I'm really grateful for you being with us here today, Seth. Thank you. At church, um, bef- before we, we leave today, it, it's right that we would take, uh, take up an offering to, uh, to sow into Seth and what he does, what he carries, the, the gift to us that he is. So we're going to receive an offering for Seth it will go directly to him today. So I'd like to invite you to consider what you might do with that. And Steve or someone will be down at the desk to help you with that. Uh, if you've got your tithes and offerings, then please bring those today also. There's a, a basket up the front, or if um, machines and things down the back. And you know, bless you. Thank you for considering your giving. Thank you for those who uh, faithfully are giving electronically, all that sort of stuff. So we bless you today. You seem like you're loitering with intent.
0: I'm just loitering with this intent. Um, Uh, Prior to this weekend, I I, um, exhorted and warned you many times that the fire will fall and it won't fit in the parameters of what we are used to or comfortable with or even have experienced in the past. I pointed out to you that in the 1960s, the church was praying for revival. God answered by pouring out a spirit on the hippies. And many of the very ones that were praying left the church when the way God answered their prayers walked into their church meetings. I had someone say to me uh, about five years ago when Seth came, they called me up. It was actually a weird situation because he came at a time when I was away, which I don't normally like to have happen. And this person called me up and told me that if, uh, if Seth was gonna continue coming to our church, that this gentleman would not continue coming to our church. I said, oh, so you were there on Sunday, were you? He said, no, no, I wasn't. But I just looked him up on YouTube. And then he proceeded to spout really just a pile of nonsense that bears no resemblance to the reality of, of who Seth is and of who we know him to be as a man, as a, a mentor, as in a friend. I'm not saying this in defense of Seth. I'm saying that he deliberately gets invited to come in to be a wrecking ball, to our parameters that we get so used to when God is going to work outside of those parameters some of you will be greatly relieved to know that next week is going to be a beautiful lovely gentle pastoral Sunday with Ian McCormick so we've had a wrecking ball this week and Seth thank you and we will have one also next week it's a little unfair to uh, pick on someone just when they've just shown up for the first time. What was your name again? Erina. Er- Erina. She looks just like a lady I know in Nelson. I, she's moved from Nelson. And I just, just you, you will know this, but there is a real sense of God's timing on you coming to this city at this time. It's a, for such a time as this, that he's brought you here. And I'm sure, I'm sure that there has been a lot of turbulence and shaking in the transition, but God just wants to encourage you today. It's a, for such a time as this. Uh, For you, Andy, so Andy back there standing next to Toby. Andy has taken, uh, together with his sisters, taken a big step, uh, led by the Lord, to lease a facility to establish something for the glory of God uh, in our city. And while Seth was talking, I was thinking about the field of lentils up there on uh, on Paispa Road. And so in the name of Jesus, we bless you as you and your sister, as you and your excellent son there and your daughter who's away, as you stand in your field of lentils, we bless that. And uh, in the name of Jesus, we bless that. And we will also be looking for ways that we can also pick up a sword and stand in your field of lentils, because that's what family does. Uh, It was a big thing, Um, Ken referred to it, with Ashley Flanagan singing today. Uh, That was a big thing. And so, uh, Flanagan family, we love you, and we stand in your field of lentils also, which involves you singing, it involves Patrick, uh, being Pastor Patrick. It involves you being who God has made you to be in this city to contribute at this time. Amen. How many of you uh, have, like me, become very frustrated with the way that things have been for so long in church? Okay. No, some of you? Yeah. Yeah, it's got to. So then we shouldn't be surprised when God starts raising up wrecking balls to come in and smash the status quo. So my advice is this, live with that. Bring it on, Lord. Shake everything that can be shaken. Smash down everything that needs to be smashed down. Have you got the other other one with the fire? The whole country? Till that. Nothing less. Till that. Till the nation is ablaze with revival from the top of the north to the bottom of the south and everywhere in between. If you're going to die on a mountain, let's die on that one. Until Jesus is known and the fire of the Holy Spirit is known in every town, community, city and region in New Zealand. You've got to get a little bit of, Amen. You've got to get a little bit of, Hey devil, you can't have her. In Jesus' name. Amen. So there'll be prayer meetings this week, Tuesday night and Thursday night. 7 o'clock at the Church House, 115 Moffat Road. And then there's a prayer meeting here next week, 9 o'clock out the back. And then 10 o'clock, gentle, calm, peaceful pastoral service with Ian McCormick speaking to us. Amen. Go and give all your money away. God bless you.